0: Welcome to the Orthodontics and Interview Podcast, where Farouk brings you closer to the experts in orthodontics, so we can hear their story and
1: learn from their experiences with your host, Farouk Ahmed. Welcome to this episode of Orthodontics in Interview. It's my absolute pleasure to bring you guys Professor Ravinder Nanda, who is joining us all the way from Florida in the States. So I want to give a bit of background about Professor uh, Ravinder. So not only is he an Emeritus Professor of the University of Connecticut, he's also recently been appointed the Adjunctive Professor Forsyth, that's based over in Boston. Now, what hasn't Uh, Ravi done. So Ravi has an interest in essentially all aspects of orthodontics from clinical work, he's looked at tooth biology, facial orthopedics, biomechanics, uh, delivering complex care to patients. He's really covered the entire breadth in his career. Ravi is famous for his statement that he has spent a career studying orthodontics. Let me explain. So Ravi has studied orthodontics in Lucknow, in India. He then went to the Netherlands and studied orthodontics again, this time with a PhD, and then studied orthodontics a third time in the University of Connecticut, under the auspicious teaching of Charles Burstone. He's a past president of the Angle Society um, in North Atlantic. He's also the current editor-in-chief of Progress in Orthodontics. When it comes to output of academic work, Ravi has published over 10 textbooks and over 200 publications, really a giant within the profession. And thank you Ravi for joining us for this interview. My pleasure. Um, So I think the first question for me Ravi, about all of these things that you've kind of done, your your, your textbook in biomechanics for me is just an incredible uh, collection of understandings within orthodontics. But what is it that you find people don't understand well, or the misunderstandings of biomechanics orthodontists typically tend to have when they're practicing orthodontics?
0: The biggest problem relates to lack of education about biomechanics in orthodontic programs in US and everywhere else. most of the programs think that they are teaching biomechanics, but uh, the concept of biomechanics only is how to put a class to elastic or how to put an arch wire, uh, whether you are going to sling tie the teeth. And then when we talk about Charlie Burstone's work or my work or my books, Uh, most of the people get scared. They (laughs) think that uh, it it, it has something to do with moments and forces and all that kind of stuff. So over the years, uh, my emphasis for at least the last 40 years has been to make biomechanics much simpler, easy to explain, and it is not as complicated. Once you understand biomechanics, you will find that the things you actually do in the mouth, if you do a little bit of tweak, a little bit of change, you can get better orthodontic results. So that is the problem of understanding of biomechanics uh, by most of the folks.
1: Do you know what makes me smile, Ravi, is that I was that person who <laughs> came across your textbook whilst I was doing my residency. I thought, oh my god, I can't understand that. And then I heard you speak at the AO a couple of years ago about class two mechanics. And you introduced a really simple picture of forces to be able to distillize a class two molar. I thought, oh, wow, that's OK. That's not too bad. I can do yeah. that. And then mm-hmm. I had to look at your textbook. So what you're saying is absolutely true. Um, uh, and kind of a question kind of leading on from that. So the textbook, I think, is just, just incredible. I do urge the audience to go and read that textbook uh, to gain understanding better about how the science works. But just you, the, the amount of clinical based research that you've done, what was your motivation to, to do that quantity and the, just the number of questions you've asked over your career? What kept you, what propelled you to ask those questions and then find the answers? Well,
0: if, if I go back uh, 1972 when I joined University of Connecticut as assistant professor, one of the first things uh, Charlie Burstone told me was that uh, write a NIH, which is National Institute of Health, grant. And uh, pick a research subject because if you want to stay in academics and in good school Uh, you have to have research credentials. So my first project was uh, to look at orthopedics because I was very much interested in uh, craniofacial orthopedics. And at that time, orthodontics was known as orthodontics. The craniofacial orthopedics wasn't there. So if you go back in the literature, I think I wrote quite a few papers around 19, between 1975 and 85, uh I got the grant, I did studies, then w- once you get the grant, it is just like uh, like addiction because then you say, oh I got a, there's a new subject which has come up. I want to study that, then you go to the next subject. then you go to the next subject. And suddenly you find that uh, now you have about uh, 10 or 12 graduate students who are working with you and they need research projects. So I kind of stayed uh, a step ahead of what was needed in orthodontics. And we continued with that. So so I think the National Institute of Health, American Association of Orthodontic Foundation, uh, my alumni. So over the years, I've had billions of dollars of support and we continued to study. So even now, during in my retirement, I am busy uh, working on a few projects in Connecticut and as well as a few projects I'm starting at Foresight.
1: Um, actually, Ravi, I wanted to come on to the topic of, of social media. So there are lots of different outlets when it comes to orthodontics and social media like aligners, I suppose, is very much on the rise. And there's kind of opposing or different ideas which circulate and that sometimes as a consumer of social media, it can be difficult to know where to go to uh, and what to look at. And it's great to see people like yourself engaging with social media uh, as authorities within our profession, but also giving it on the new platform. Where do you feel social media fits in? to the current orthodontist or the resident who's just coming through their program, where do you see things fitting in for for, for new orthodontists?
0: I feel uh, social media has, has uh, three levels, okay? One is what I call uh, pure garbage. And, and the second one is where people are saying, look what I did, how great I am. And the third one, which I call is, the one uh, which we try to promote and when I say we as you had already mentioned Marty Coburn uh, Patrick Fleming beyond Ludwig there are people who are uh, very active in uh, putting in good stuff in front of people my problem really comes in is when I see nonsense in there the, and I feel like saying something but then I say, Social media is one of the worst places to say something which, you know, which you're telling people, hey, you're doing something wrong, you know. Then everybody jumps at you. And the sad part is that recently I saw uh, terrible mechanics. And there were about 50 comments. How did you do it? Where, where did you go? How, can you explain it to me a little bit more? And I felt like saying... This is nonsense, it's it's not correct what he's saying. But you can see the 50 people are asking comment and there were 200 people who liked it. So I feel social media for orthodontist is good if somehow we can create a a list of people. Please, if you're really interested in, look at these, these sites. All uh, Kevin O'Brien is, is 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 pretty good, so I think that it's pretty complex uh, in 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 social media. You know, somehow we have to promote people, uh, we have to continuously tell people, read Kevin O'Brien, read Beyond Ludwig, read Marty Coburn, read Frederick Fleming, and then there's a fourth category, and fourth category is people who are promoting their products. That kills me all the time. I mean, these days, if you look at uh, uh, maxillary expansion, it feels like in every patient you do maxillary expansion. So, so I think social media just—it's like a promotion. You know, everybody is promoting something. We got to do something about it. And you, what you are doing here is perfect so you can see I'm a very controversial
1: person you know <laughs> it's, very, it's very kind of you and it's good to get your opinion on it because you know the, the, there are people who are forming their opinions at this point in time and looking at social media and not knowing which direction to go in and I suppose at times I'm also one of those um, but again I, I think I, I really want to celebrate your, the, the content that yourself that you put out Martin Coburn now and the other people that you mentioned is that there is direction out there uh, and it's good to see that content come forward um, so just Changing track now, Ravi So just some questions now about yourself. So, I mean, lockdown has kind of engulfed the whole world over the past two years, but what's been your favorite thing to do since lockdown has, has eased up? What are you enjoying now?
0: Um, what did you should ask me, what did I enjoy during the <laughs> lockdown? I loved it. You know, I live on a golf course Florida. in Florida. Oh. Okay, so if I open my back window, there's a golf well, course, both sides. Sixteenth green on that side, so I go used to go out and play, but now the so so I live in Florida, so our governor never believed in uh, COVID somehow, you know, so the mask was there, but it depended on you whether you want to use it or not. So now the world is open, I'm ready to travel, and you can see I travel to very interesting, unique places. I'm off to, in a couple of weeks, to Erbil in Kurdistan, which, because I want to go there, uh, And then I got a trip to Poland, and you name it, every month I'm gone somewhere, you know, I'm a traveling man, you know. So this is how, And then I'm b- <clears throat> busy in organizing symposiums because in Forsyth we are going to have a Maurice Symposium uh, in October, uh, getting ready for my lectures, uh, putting my material together
1: and working on a new book project. Oh, wow. wow, there's no stop for you, every There's no stop. No, you got to enjoy life. <laughs> and this is the way it is, you know. You just can't
0: sit and, you know, just...
1: No. Uh, on the topic of travel, Ravi, so you've studied in three orthodontics in three different continents. Incredible. From, from the yes. U.S. Yes. To, to Europe to, yeah. to India. So what's drawn you to settle in the U.S.? What's kept you in the U.S. when it comes to your travels? You know, my
0: oldest brother, uh, he's 90, uh, 95, uh, he came to... US as a dentist in 1950 in Boston. And he became an orthodontist. And that's Ram Nanda. And then uh, he went back to India for a few years. And then for the last 50 years, he has been in Oklahoma, you know, where he was a chair and retired. Then my second brother, Surrender, uh, came to Ohio State as an orthodontist and then he became uh, chair, acting chair at University of Michigan and he was there 30 years. Unfortunately, he passed away uh, about 15 years ago. Uh, so you can see the family was already here. You know, we were, remember, we were refugees, you know, after <clears throat> the partition of India and Pakistan's formation, you know, we lived in camps and my, you know, and then, India was not our place you know the, the where we moved so we slowly and slowly everybody started moving out of there so this is how it happened you know it's, it was like a very organic you know I mean my sister's there my two
1: three brothers are here you know it's a real lineage it's a real lineage of, of orthodontists in your family um, yeah, and, yeah. and oh yeah a lot of uh,
0: my niece and my grandnieces and nephews wow.
1: Wow, incredible, incredible. So I've got to ask you the question then, because you post quite a bit on social media about your family as well. So I've got to ask, who do you prefer? Is it the kids? Is it the grandkids? What is your grandkids? (laughs) Without hesitation.
0: Because the thing is, the kids
1: uh, have other interests, you know.
0: They got a husband, they got their own kids, like. And the grandkids, you know, feel you know, uh, mom is in with dad, and dad is with mom. So they are more into their grandparents, right. you know. And the youngest one is always the, the favorite one, and you move on, you know. Yeah,
1: so, yeah. Uh, so just swinging back towards orthodontics. So, kind of in your experience. Uh, you've seen kind of transitions take place in orthodontics, but kind of looking forward into the into into the crystal ball, what do you see as the the advances or the problems over the next ten years or the next decades in orthodontics? What challenges do you think we're going to be facing?
0: I, I think our biggest challenge is going to be uh, how to maneuver misinformation. Uh, that is our biggest challenge. What you see uh, on social media, what you see sometimes in magazines, uh, uh, advertisements, uh, they really uh, do not penetrate a a typical orthodontic practice, at least in US. Uh, In US, let's say there are about 15,000 orthodontists practicing. Uh, Most of them practice what they learned in school or what they pick up from their friends and they go to the meetings, different component meetings. But their basic practice of orthodontics is the same. They try to incorporate few things. So if you look in the social media, everybody's into 3D and how to make appliances. But if you go in US in like like 15,000 offices, you are not going to find more than 50 or 100 offices are using that. So social media kind of sometimes gives you wrong information about what is really going on. So the challenge is going for us is going to be <coughs> that research is going to say we want to accelerate orthodontic treatment, we want to uh, improve on aligners, we want to uh, treat problems uh, 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 in a more conform conforming way, instead of doing 50 different ways, you know. Uh, recently, Beyond Ludwig posted a question, how would you treat this patient? There were 20 answers and they were all different. They were all different. So you can see that 20 people are trying to do the same thing. They will come to the same result. The question is, how would they reach to that result? How many problems in between they will have? Are they going to go in a straight line or they'll be fixing side effects as they go along. So what I always say is that magic bullet is not coming in orthodontics. What we really have to do is we have to use biomechanics in a very sensible way. So you are not working with, on side effects. You know, Burstone always used to say that one year you treat the patient's problem, and one year you treat the problems you create in the mouth. And so if you get rid of the problems you create in the mouth, you can finish patients much faster without any problem. Mm-hmm. So our issue is related with, you know, there are people, oh, I only use three arch wires, you can finish the treatment. Or what is, what is your sequence? Uh, people always ask me, what is your sequence to do class two treatment? Go, what do you mean by a sequence? I have no sequence. Depends on patient's problem. Well, the only change I can think in future may be that maybe genetics may play a bigger role in our treatment. But all these gizmos you see are only helping with diagnosis of our patients, you know, or following up our patients. a patient is wearing the appliance in the mouth or not. But as far as the treatment itself is concerned, uh, we continue to do what we learn in schools, and slowly we adapt few things. All other things haven't worked. Vibration hasn't worked, and uh, uh, photomodulation and cardiocartes, and so we are exactly at the same point where we were, I would say, twenty years ago. Aligners is the only thing which everybody is uh, into it. Uh, dads, aligners. Dads, aligners.
1: Mm, that's really interesting. That the and it reminds me of the the quotation from Melar Johnson that there are no new biologies. The the, the actual tooth movement itself yeah. isn't going to change. It's simply about us manipulating it. Um, and that's really good insight to have, uh, Ravi. So. You've mentioned about Charles Burstone, but I'm interested to know, in orthodontics, you've come across so many people. Who is it you've admired the most in your journey?
0: Well, I must say the, the, uh, the first on the list always is my brother, Ram, because that's where I learned orthodontics. So Ram was, <clears throat> did his PhD here. He was Maurice's student. He was Jarabek's student, Tweed's student. So he was my master's uh, program when I did in India uh, before he moved back again to U.S. Um, after that, I would say um, Ricketts, who I became very close with over the years, and uh, I think he influenced me a lot. He was a uh, true philosopher, I would say, philosopher of orthodontics. He could talk orthodontics uh, for, for hours on a dining table, and you would just... Uh, be amazed that that how he thought about everything, and so I would say that the, these two individuals uh influenced me a lot. And uh, I did work with Burstone for more than 40 years, so of course, uh, all the things I do are influenced by him. You know, he I took over the department head in ninety one, ninety two 92 mm-hmm. when he retired, so so. So, so I had my own imprint a little bit in the last 30 That's years. Amazing. So. It's amazing
1: to see the people that you've come into contact with and, uh, and the influence it's had. And you can see it in the output, in the textbooks, and the publications. The influence is, is there that you have come across some great people and, and establish yourself as, as, as a result. Um, the last thing I want to ask you, Davi, is what one piece of advice would you give to orthodontists out there?
0: my mantra is always the same and that is that there is a lot more to learn and uh, orthodontics is a lifelong learning uh, process because we, uh, we do not deal with the disease. We do not deal with, uh, uh with something where, uh, you know, somebody can cut it off and then you are healed and then you are okay. Uh, Uh, it's a very unique profession because every patient is unique. There are so many different ways of treating. There are so many different malocclusions and there are so many brackets and the wires. And I mean, it's a total conundrum, you know, in, uh, in orthodontics. So, so the best thing is, Just stay ahead of what you already know, because you go to the meetings, you go to the uh, continually go to the meetings. And it's very important not to what I call those courses, you know, weekend courses in a hotel or something. But you go to the meetings or, 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 or try to find out people who can really teach and advance what you really do in orthodontics. So it's a lifelong learning process, you know. I want to add something here because um, um, people always ask me that question, and why? Why so many books? Yeah. Okay. You, you, you didn't <laughs> ask me. Okay. And and, and and I'll tell you why, because you will notice that most of the books I I have invited a lot of people. If you go in the names, you know I got. Uh, Pierre Nelson, and I got Kokic, and I got Ricketts. I got everybody over the years have contributed in the books. And if you look at the biomechanics book, for example, which was the first book in 1985, 86, you will see it's still good today because biomechanics is never going to get old. And now a liner book comes in, and you can see there are a lot of people who contributed. So the reason I do it is that that you have some important information on different aspects of a certain problem in a book format. You open the book and you look at it. Example is yesterday I was trying to find about one subject. I was on Google or PubMed for about four hours trying to find out who did what and where the, the person did. And all those that information you can put it in a book and you can open and you can read it. Biomechanics never get sold. Journals, people never even open the journals. <coughs> I have a friend in orthodontics, I go in their office, there's a stack of journals still in plastic. I said, When are you gonna
1: open them? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's really interesting. It's really interesting, and I think this idea of of kind of lifelong learning, as you describe it, you you've essentially cemented your learning in these textbooks, and and therefore made it easier for other people to learn. And as I say, we we I as a reader, uh, uh, am indebted to you for doing that. So, Ravi, thank you thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today Um, and for the audience out there please do subscribe I'll be putting the links down for Ravi's textbooks specifically the one on aligners and biomechanics I think they're wonderful books beyond generally his books are great but those are really good books to look at and please do subscribe and look forward to the next episode thank you again Ravi thank you very much Farouk all the best (laughs) just a few outtakes guys from today's episode I hope you do enjoy it some nice humor. So Ravi, let's so, let's talk cricket now. So clearly Pakistan right. is a better team than India. Do you not agree? You must be joking.
0: <laughs> India has beaten Pakistan the uh, last three times and over the years,
1: many, many times.
0: There's no comparison, none whatsoever.
1: Listen Ravi, you do not need to be a professor about everything. Can we just leave this one alone, please? Thank you very much, yeah, Pakistan. Sure. They're the best.
0: Thank you, Farouk.